belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for November 19th, 2023 is called Glory. The speaker is John Ray and the location is the Central United Methodist Chapel in Fayetteville, Arkansas. All right, everybody. Once again, my name is John Ray. It's really great to see everybody here. Um, Welcome to Grace Church. If you're listening on the podcast, you're watching online. Either way, we are really glad that you're here with us. So, we're going to start off a little pop quiz. Ready? Sorry, no more PTSD, I hope, here, but but, um, with this. um, What is something that can be earned or given? What is something that can be showered in, can wrap you up, can hide you or reveal you, can fall, can rise, has tremendous weight, but is also invisible, impossible to contain, and incredibly fleeting. Air. You got air over here. Any other guesses? Probably Jesus. Yes, right. Exactly. What's that? You got it. She, see, this is, she knew the assignment. She knew the assignment. She studied. She read, because the title of the teaching is literally glory. (laughs) Um, But that's one of those church words, right? A concept that gets thrown around in a bunch of different ways. It's kind of a, in a way, it's a catch-all word. If we don't really know what we're talking about sometimes, we can use that word with it. And, And maybe that's not such a bad thing. It's like love and grace and peace. It's a word we use to describe something essential to the Christian life and experience. But just what is that thing? Well, let's take a look because it's a big part of our final text in Exodus. So we've been wandering with the Israelites all through Egypt, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, and we get to the very last chapter which Jennifer did a great job last night or last week because it kind of has two endings. It kind of has a double ending. And Jennifer led us through one of those last week. And, and then we have this one this week, which the verse, it says, when the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And again, if you were here and if you weren't, I, I encourage you to go listen to it on the podcast. But Jennifer laid out how they had did we're so used to to banging on the on the Israelites and giving them grief for all the ways they they fail. They actually did this one right. They they built the temple according to the plan that they got, and they and they followed all the prescriptions, and they got in there, and it worked. And this is the result: the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and it. That's the end of our Exodus story. Now, it's not the end of the Israelite story. It's not the end of God's story, but it's kind of the end of Exodus. Is that it happened. They were called into the wilderness to go worship God, and they're able to do it. This thing happens. Well, like I said, this is not the end of the story of Israel or God by any stretch, but it's the culmination of the Exodus story that started 
that was hinted at that first time Moses wandering turned aside to the burning bush. It ends here. So it starts with this chance or this strange encounter with this bush that's on fire but doesn't get consumed and ends with this glory filling the tabernacle. So y'all, what's this all about? And I mean, what is it all about? Not just the passage, not just Exodus, but all of it. What's the goal? What's the meaning? Where are we going? What is our story? Where are we supposed to end? Where, do, where, where are we headed? What are we being called out to, out for, and into? Let me ask it another way. Is the experience of the glory of God the telos of creation? Is that the goal, the end goal? And if so, what does that mean? What does it mean for us? Now, was anybody in here raised Presbyterian at all? I know Jane was confirmed Presbyterian. We got her uh, brother just recently sent her, what was it, the bulletin from the day you got confirmed there in Pittsburgh. Well, they have a big thing in the Presbyterian Church and some others. They, they call it the Westminster Catechism. Anybody familiar with that? Heard of it with that? You, does anybody, can anybody quote it? What, what the start is? What question number one is? It says, it's, so the catechism is a question of, is a series of questions and answers. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a few years. Ryan, Ryan's going to take a stab. Okay. Correct. Word for word, perfect. Is very close. So the question exactly right. What is the chief end of man? Or what's the tell us? That's the question we're asking. What's the meaning? What's the purpose? It says man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Well, last week I presumptuously rewrote the Lord's Prayer in response to a set of circumstances, or two weeks ago. So I, I kind of updated this for modern language for us here. And if I was going to have my catechism that was my version of this question, I would say, what is the ultimate meaning and goal of a person's life? And the answer would be, the meaning and goal of a person's life is to experience and respond to the glory of God and be fully alive because of it. So let me explain. I believe that glory is what gives our life weight. The Hebrew word havod, is, is a, it's a unit of weight. It's, a, it's something that has mass. It has something that has um, it just exists and it makes its presence known. It's, it's solid in what it does. It gives our lives meaning, gravity, and purpose. It's what gives us an anchor when the storms rage and the oasis and the desert sun bakes, bakes us. It's what gives us a way of evaluating the infinite questions and choices, incessantly demanding our responses. And it provides a place of peace when we've done all we can and can't do anything more. That, that's weight. To me, that's glory or an experience of it. 
But y'all, I'm going to warn you, I have more questions than answers when it comes to this. I don't have a said catechism. That's just a stab in the dark that I have. As I was studying this, I was thinking that this is way more jazz than orchestra. When we start talking about glory, it's way more intuition than apologetic. It's a way more poetry than prose when we're talking about this subject. So if you're looking to walk out of here with a definitive answer, I'm probably going to frustrate you with this. But that's not to say it's not important. In some ways, I think it's more important. And I think it's okay to approach it that way. So what does this mean? What is glory? What is this chavod? What does it mean to us? What's the difference between God's glory and our glories? And can both exist simultaneously? Well, first, we, I want to look at how God's glory is experienced in Exodus, because I think this tells us a lot about what it is. We need to understand where this happens, where this experience of God's glory happens. It happens in the wilderness. It happens on the way. It's in a tent, not in a capital city, not in a grand temple. We need to understand who this happens among. It happens among wandering former slaves, a polyglot of nationless people, people prone to idolatry and rebellion. That's who it happens to, not the perfect, not the pristine, not the ones who have it all together. It's also transient, conditional, but it's not, and not controllable. And we need to understand when this happens. This happens at the end of a whole lot of conflict and wandering of narrow escapes and new ways of understanding. When we were preparing for this, Jennifer said, she said, this conversation makes me think of how sometimes we can visualize or quantify microorganisms in food. Imagine that she would say that. <clears throat> they learn to recognize things by the byproducts that the microorganisms leave behind. They may not see the thing, but they, they know the thing is there by what it leaves behind. And in some ways, glory is like that, I think. We see the results of it. We see the things reflected in its light if we may not be able to see the thing itself with that. Um, there's a, one of the patriarchs of the faith way back, St. Arrhenius, and this was fascinating when I was studying this. How many of you have heard the quote, the glory of God is a person fully alive? A few? It's, it's a relatively famous quote in certain things. But Arrhenius said, the glory of God is a person fully alive. And I, I've heard that the first time I heard it. I thought it was wonderful. I've meditated on it over the years. I didn't realize it was only half the quote. When I went to footnote it, to make sure I got the source right and everything preparing for this, I realized that it's only half the quote. It's chopped. The full quote is this. The glory of God is a person fully alive. But the life of the person is a vision of God. The glory of God is a person fully alive, but the life of the person is a vision of God. And, and that's why I think this is, this is so important to us to understand is that having a vision for the end, having a vision for where we're going, having a vision for the meaning, the purpose, even if it's poetry, even if it's jazz, even if we can't quantify it, but have a feeling, an intuition 
and urging that we can follow towards this thing is so important because I don't think we can be fully alive without it. We see here that God's glory is tied up with our vision, our understanding, our imagination about what gives our lives meaning. And that meaning is the weight. That meaning is the value. That meaning is, in a way, it's the great and final aha. It's the epiphany that comes. It reminds me of when C.S. Lewis was asked about heaven. Someone asked him, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And he said, basically, he said, I don't know what it's going to be like, except I know when I get there, I'm going to go, of course it's like this. I think that's glory. Of course it's like this. Of course this is what it is. Well, we need to know also what it's not. It's used, like I said, it's a church word, but it's also a worldly word. It's used in common day parlance. It's usually associated with pride. It's usually associated with achievement. It's usually associated with earning. All those things. I don't think that's what is happening here. I don't think that's this use of the word. It's not, it's not winning the football game. It's not winning the race. It's not earning that bonus. It's not doing those things. That, that's not the kind of glory that is here with this. Alex talked about how we've messed it up, and we use it kind of like credit, like an exchange, a transactional thing. And that's not, I don't think that's what's happening here. Laura was quick to bring up that, that in a way, too, that, that that misuse, I think, of the word is seeped into the church. And used to bring shame upon people, used to, used to oppress rather than liberate. Take a, word, a, a verse out of context and ascribe a meaning to it and use it against a person rather than for a person with that. And that's, again, why I think it's important that we spend time understanding what this is. Understand how it's been weaponized by the culture and used wrongly so that we can redeem that. So where do we see it now? Where do we see this glory? Because we don't have an ark or a temple. We don't have this physical tabernacle. We don't have the cloud by day and the fire by night. But y'all, I think we have something better. We have the enduring testimony of the saints. We have the indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit. We have the ever-present story and example of Jesus. We have creation around us, which the psalmist tells us, is eternally proclaiming the goodness of God and the glory of God with that. Now, ultimately, even though the first pop quiz answer wasn't Jesus, the second one is, ultimately we do have Jesus. And we see a very different kind of glory in Jesus. We don't see this this triumphant cloud coming down in Jesus. Instead, we see something very different. But we're going to talk about that in depth next week. So we'll just we'll we'll put that aside for now. Know that we will talk about that. And like I said, y'all, I don't have all the answers. I have more questions. Many more questions, especially after digging into Exodus. I come away going, oh, there's a lot of stuff I learned that I didn't know, but I have a lot more questions that I didn't have before about this. But I do think we have enough to start. Like, I don't think we have to have all the answers 
to move towards this. I look around the room, I look at my own life, and I see all the things that we're assailed with every day. All the things that are coming at us. All the choices we have to make. All the math we have to do. Is this worth my time? Is this worth my effort? How do I do this? Where do I do this? And if we don't have an anchor, if we don't have an imagination, if we don't have something pulling us towards it, those things will quickly overcome us. When we were preparing, Betty brought up Isaiah 60, where it talks about God's glory being glory and light, and and the idea that, that that glory is like a light that draws us towards it. If we can keep it fixed, or keep our imagination fixed towards it, it will draw us towards that light. And I think we, like I said, I think we have enough to start. I think we have enough to keep living into the glory of God in the daily mundane choosing to afford in our apprenticeship to Jesus the most weight, the most important. We can make that the most important thing. No matter where we are, teaching class, selling coffee, changing diapers, writing songs, we can make that the thing. And while a definitive definition of the meaning of life or glory is impossible to give, One way of defining it might be to say the meaning and goal of a person's life is to experience and respond to the glory of God and to be fully alive because of it. The glory is also our ultimate end. Seeking to understand this, why we're all here, what the meaning and purpose of our lives, is an essential practice of of following Jesus. Listen, when we, when we agree to follow Jesus, when we pledge our allegiance, our affections, our allegiance to Jesus, that doesn't stop the questions. That just opens a whole new group of them. But we give weight to that, to lean into it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. <clears throat> and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to try something different to end today. There is a... There's a John Prine song that is on Spotify right now, and it's a live version um, of his song, Paradise. Y'all know the song Paradise by John Prine. Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River where paradise lays. Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's Coltrane done hauled it away. Anyway, it's a very famous song, been covered by John Denver. But in this particular version on Spotify, he's playing with his band, and he ends the song. It's the end of his concert, and then the recording goes on for two or three minutes of the band just jamming and people singing. And you can hear people in the audience talking, and you can hear what's going on. And I wrote this in response to that recording. And to me, like I said, it's a feeling of glory. This is not a definition. This is what glory feels like to me. It's called, After the Song is Over, the Song Continues. It's listening to a live performance, the part after the last song is over, when the performance is wrapping up. The night is widening down. The singer says her thanks and good nights and God blesses. 
but the band keeps playing. They riff, they jam, they laugh. It's afterglow. The performance has been given. The crowd's been satisfied. All that was promised has been delivered. It's the gentle caress after climax. The languid fingers gently running up the back of the lover's arms. Nothing left to prove. The need's been met. This is all gift. Pure joy. Everyone knows the song. There's nothing left to teach. Nothing left to learn. You don't have to sing the words. The words are now on our bones and hearts now. This is where we be. Already cherishing what was, but so satisfied with what is that it's not a distraction. We're full. We're spent. We're content and able to rest without fear. All the lessons in the work, all the practices and failures led to this. All the false starts and false summits, the tears, despair, hope and longings, all of it. This is the prize. This is heaven. This is glory. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.